Greetings, nerds. This is Cena Nerd. I'm your host, Sarah Belmont, and with me, as always, is our Mr. Producer, Will Paul. How are you doing today, Will? Doing very well, Sarah. Survived the 100-degree-plus day, taking my daughter to summer camp. But, uh, yeah, this this, some, this heat wave here in the is just, just brutal. But what was, was it, what was it yesterday? 100. <laughs> and you went to a movie theater? Yeah, I went to a movie theater. I did. I had to. Well, actually, it's funny. It, uh, it was the, it was one of those rare afternoons where it, it seemed like it was going to thunder and it just kept and get a big rain shower, but it never did anything. But it did do something somewhere because it cooled off. But yeah, it's just been brutal here in the South and a lot of other I, places around the U.S. as well. Well, I mean, even Alaska has been insanely hot over the summer. Like, like I know, like it's apples and oranges when you say 100 and I'm like, it it's 90. <laughs> Still, yeah, you're probably dying up there. <laughs> it, it feels like it's a hundred. Yeah, yeah. So, so it it is interesting, but I still like your decision making. I'm gonna go to a movie theater where I'm gonna sweat with a bunch of other people and watch Lion King, yeah. which is about takes place in a desert. Yeah, and yeah. so it feels just warm watching it. Actually, it did. The, they had the AC like cranked up like to the max, so it was like. <laughs> of course they did. I should have like brought a sweater. <laughs> of course they did. Like yeah. that is it is really funny how how strategic you have to be in dressing to go to a movie theater yeah. because you're like especially these days with movies being over to like the normal movie these days are now two and a half hours. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. And yes. and those are the films we're paying to see. And so now it's kind of like, do I bring the sweater? Will I be cold? Do do I not bring the sweater because I don't want to be hot because that's just uncomfortable. Yep. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah, but it's just, I guess given that, you know, as you said, the movie was set in, the, in Sahara, Africa, but you know, it's uh, it, it it definitely the the. Outside temperature definitely helped set the mood when you when you're watching watching that film. But uh, I have to say I I actually I, I enjoyed it. It was uh, I know I know the critics were you know panned it, but uh, it did pretty well this weekend. It made 185 million dollars. The Lion King. Yeah. I, I I'm sure we can all agree that that is one of the, if not the most beloved Disney movie that they've ever made. So yeah. you do you do the same story, but with a, um 21st century special effects, and of course you're you're gonna make a good opening weekend. Yeah. They probably could have been done better had they not dropped it right during Comic Con. Probably. But that's just my thinking. However, at the same time, they're not really there for like the nerdy, more um, grown up, but still young at heart, as I like to say. Yeah. Crowd. It's more for the kids. It's more for, it the, kids. for the kids. I mean, this is their yeah. story. I don't think I'm going to go see it because I have not seen, I really don't think I've gone to any of their live action. Mm-hmm. Retellings, and I don't know why. I honestly cannot tell you why. Um, because I grew up with those movies too, and I love them too, and I remember rewatching certain ones until like the, uh, the videotape was going to, right. <laughs> but snapped, I yeah. just, 
I just, for some reason, you you gloss it up, and I'm like, yeah, I I know the story. I don't, yeah, yeah. I don't really well, have a reason. Yeah. See, so it's here's my things, and I'm I, I'm like you. I've seen most of these in the original form, animated format. I I'm not one of these folks who are just like such a purist about Disney films that I'm going to automatically you know, just shut down and say, no, it's got to be the original or else. I, I I really went into into Lion King with an open mind. I haven't watched it in years, probably since my, as my kids have gotten older. You know, of course, it was on a loop when they were younger. But uh, right. it was one of those things where I went in open-minded and with no, like, allegiance to the, the original – and I, I actually enjoyed it. I, I thought it was a an enjoyable film. I think I even I, I did tweet out uh, yesterday after I got back that it, it is disconcerting to see <laughs> the uh, the CGI animals uh, talking and having emotions. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it is. I will not deny it. It, it, it did take me out of it for a, a little bit. It took a while to get used to that, but once I did, I, I enjoyed it for for what it is. And I thought John Favreau. You know, given that he was directing a CGI animated film, uh, did very well. Um, mm-hmm. My only complaint is that I think Beyonce like did her Beyonce thing of over singing and, and a few times drowned out Donald Glover, which I thought was unfortunate. But uh, but even the and and I will say that I I will say a purist to Elton John's "Can You Feel the Love Tonight," but. Uh, mm-hmm. That that those but those were my main quibbles. But overall, I thought it was an enjoyable film. Yeah, you know, interesting enough, I've heard similar remarks about Aladdin, where Naomi Scott is a better singer than the actor who played Aladdin. So it kind of was like very apparent in the movie, yeah. like somebody's classically trained and somebody isn't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and which which is interesting to me because. It's it's like it's becoming this new thing where we are getting more musicals or we are and we tend to do cast people who are singers who have made albums, sold out concerts and all of that are classically trained. And then we pair them with a lead who doesn't who brings the acting. But it's just it's it's bizarre to me. I don't know where I'm going with this. Will help me. (laughs) <laughs> no, I mean, it's, it's a very fair point. But, you know, the thing is, Donald Glover has a very nice voice in himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, uh, there's, you know, with his alter ego, Childish Gambino, and, uh, but also just, just in general. And so I think it's just part, part of that was just, I think, when they were scoring the film, uh, I think maybe, you know, who's going to mess with a diva? <laughs> and and the, the modern day queen of Beyonce, and tell her to, to dial it back a bit. So, uh, so so and then I guess the point is, if if you're gonna cast Beyonce, if we if she brings a lot to the table, a huge fan base, a huge name, a huge brand, yet she's also gonna drown out everybody else. I mean, when you look at that cast, it's ironic to me that the first name that comes to mind. When talking about that cast, it's Beyonce and not Donald Glover. Yeah, yeah. 
Like it's, it's really interesting. And yet really he should be the one we think of, but we don't because Beyonce is Mm -hmm. part of the cast. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. So kind of like with a star is born, how everybody thinks of that as Lady Gaga's movie. That is so Bradley Cooper's movie. He wrote and directed it like, well, he adapted a screenplay, but still, still he did a lot for that movie and acted in it. And yet we all just think of her and that one song. Mm hmm. Yep. It, it's yeah. It it really. Uh, you're right. Uh, it is a double-edged sword with uh, when you bring in a a named talent like a a Beyonce or a Lady Gaga to to pair with a uh, you know, tr- traditional actor, and uh, it, you. I think obviously they are banking on the fact that you you are bringing this very popular singer to to get butts in the seats. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. I have no good segue for this, so I'm just going to call you out. Why did you put my, Mr. Robot on this rundown? Why did I put Mr. Robot? Because we <laughs> finally got our first teaser this week. <laughs> yeah, I know absolutely. it's very random. It's very random. It was a lot, you know, obviously there was this little thing in San Diego that was going on, and basically all the oxygen in the room has been taken up by it, but... Yeah, we got us a trailer for Mr. Robot this week. It, yeah, it is, it is, that show is coming back in the fall, and mm-hmm. uh, I just I just threw it out there just as a as a news item that uh, we I know a lot of our listeners enjoy that show and 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 like to uh, know what's going on with it. So uh, that's so, why I put it there. So what you're really telling me is you're the perfect person to sit next to during an airplane. Because if the airplane would ever go down, you would be happy to share oxygen. I would be. I would be. (laughs) (laughs) I am there. I am there for you. I am there for you. So the teaser, I did see it. I didn't ignore it. Um, I didn't think that much of it. However, it did really remind me. I have not watched an episode of Mr. Robot in a very long time. Yeah, me neither. Me neither. Yet I do appreciate, because even though I haven't watched it in a very long time, even though I'm going through, like, some separation anxiety with the show, because there was a time when I was really obsessed with it, i.e. season one, it is, like, this short little teaser reminds you of... They literally have taken their hero, who I remember watching the trailer for season one, and it they claimed like it was more that Elliot was a vigilante. He was like he was using his skills with hacking to try to defeat E Corp. Well, now we're being shown that this last season is really proving how. Along the way, Elliot has become the bad guy, and he's hurt a lot of people along the way to get to where he is and to do what he needed to do. And, of course, he has this multi-personality issue that he's also dealing with, too. So, like, when we say, when we say Elliot, you've hurt a lot of people, who are we really talking about? Because if you have multiple personalities, well, isn't the Elliot we met in season one or is it somebody else or is it somebody that we've seen along the way? Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I had a very similar, similar take when I, when I saw that trailer and I thought it, it definitely reminded me of one, how much I love the show Two, I do need to do a rewatch before, uh, 
season four starts and, and three, man, they just been torturing us to, as far as these these breaks in between. Uh, and I think it's a good thing that the show is as solid as it is because uh, there's a lot of good tension and build up that, quite frankly, kind of gets lost. And that momentum gets lost with these with this long break. So, uh, so I think a rewatch is definitely in order. Yeah, at least for season one. I mean, we we know what happened. He Sam Esmail had to go off and do Homecoming, right. which is on Amazon. Um, really good show. Really interesting. It did kind of it got snubbed. Make, what I said, it got snubbed in the Emmy, in the Emmys. A lot of things get snubbed in the Emmys because yeah. I've given up on the Emmys ever since they nominated Millie Bobby Brown for something. <laughs> I'm like, what? Why? Yeah, yeah, that yeah. doesn't make any sense to me. So it's it's more of a popular show these days than anything. Popular vote. And and they also nominated Game of Thrones, which is the biggest show on TV or was on TV. So they just won viewers, I guess. I guess so. And we're completely derailed. Thank you, Will. <laughs> I don't even know what we're talking about. <laughs> yeah, just catch, you want off to do homecoming. You know, it's fine. Let's yeah. move on to something else. <laughs> yeah, well, I think the something else is something that we've been talking about and wondering when it was going to happen, and it happened. Down goes Avatar by $500,000. Yep. So, in game, enjoy, enjoy holding the belt. Even though you, you did a re-release, get it. Uh, I guess Avatar did. That's what came out when they did the re-release. Is that Avatar did the same thing way back when? Right. It right. didn't need to, but I think it wanted to because of Oscar season or something. I don't. I don't really remember why. What the reasoning was? Yeah. I, I, yeah. Because I think it had already had it already. Like, if I recall, I think it had already eclipsed its. Uh, the box office uh, championship anyway, but uh, maybe they were just adding to it. But yeah, but uh, how appropriate for uh, Endgame to take over the uh, top of the box office rankings uh, on the weekend of San Diego Comic-Con. Why is that? Why would you say that? Oh, I don't know. There was just what some little bit of things that dropped this weekend, you know, a show or two, a confirmation or two. So I think it was really, it was really interesting to watch Twitter leading up to the big announcement of Marvel because everybody going into it, I felt like had already committed themselves that they were going to get, like they had already resigned themselves to low expectations because I saw a lot of tweets like, yes, we're going to get some major announcements, but don't be surprised if they just focus on TV. And then as the titles start dropping, everybody started to really get excited. And it was interesting because it's literally a mix of both TV yep. and also new movies. Mm-hmm. And a lot of TV shows we already knew were in the works and a lot of movies we already knew were in the works. And then a few surprises here and there. All right. So essentially... The, Kevin Feige went out and did the big Marvel announcement and right. it lasted the full hour, which I thought was really impressive considering I'm used to Comic-Con having so much buildup and for it to last 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. But it lasted for over an hour. And how I know that is because I was updating Twitter 
by minute by minute. <laughs> <laughs> so I know when it started and I know when it finished. <laughs> so they, which it's interesting how they held back on Black Widow. Mm-hmm. We, that was one of the titles that a lot of people were already inserting into some of the dates that Kevin Feige exposed. He's going to have 10 announcements. And so we, we figured, but they, he held back and he kind of waited towards the end to make that confirmation. And that actually in May 2020, we're going to get the Black Widow movie, which will include David Harbour to play Red Guardian. Mm -hmm. Really interesting. Did not expect that. It's going to take place after Civil War. Yeah. Thank God. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I think actually we 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 chewed on this and and we were hoping that it would it would be at that some at that point in time because yeah if it had gone back anything before then it it would would not have not worked quite frankly and it may not work I don't know I mean I I I, I I'm on the fence on this one. What do you mean? Uh, so we obviously, if you've watched Endgame, spoiler alert, uh, this character meets her fate in, in that film. And so it's, uh, Black Widow has always been one of those characters that I think she was always a very integral part of the, of the team and, and thought that she was uh, very critical to, uh, Helping, for example, uh, you know, Captain America and, and Winter Soldier, um, and, and it was a very strong supporting character and a supporting, supporting player. But I, you know, I think it was, uh, you know, and maybe it's in, in a group of superheroes, she was kind of the outlier. Okay. And, and so she basically stands up and, and, and is, Basically, having to fight a character, basically Red Guardian, who's the, the Soviet or Russian version of Captain America. So, well, remember the real villain in this movie is not Red Guardian; it's Taskmaster. Master, right. right? And who's someone who Taskmaster, if I recall, is someone who basically can has mimic and and the fighting styles of of the other other people. So. I mean, basically, her fighting against someone who's going to be very much, very much like her. So, I guess, I guess, Red Guardian will be sort of that X factor again that will help Black Widow defeat him. Right. I, I don't, I don't know how exactly it'll all work, but, and I kind of understand where you're coming from because of what happened to her in Endgame, and that this, it, we're gonna sh- be basically shown. What happens, where she goes after Civil War and how she reunites with Steve Rogers because he's not going to, I wouldn't be surprised if maybe we see a cameo. I don't know. Or maybe there's some kind of, because really that's when they confirmed that it was Civil War. It's like, okay, so this is going to be right also right before she, she goes renegade. And decides to um, join him in what he's doing mm-hmm. before Infinity War. So there's a gap of time here that we're going to get explored. And really what sold me, in all honesty, Will, was when I read a quote by Kevin Feige. Okay. There's a method to this madness. He has a plan. And so he knows he needs this film to do something to launch the next phase. Mm-hmm. So, you know, 
I I mean, we've we've all been here. Marvel's not a perfect franchise, but sometimes you just got to in Feige we trust. If I give we trust, you know, hopefully it doesn't. I uh, just my concern is it's going to end up like a Thor Dark World, which could happen <laughs> because they literally made Thor Dark World. <laughs> you don't know which did have a payoff in Endgame. So even if it does, you could get it paid off in a few movies from now. Who right. knows? You know, yeah. Moving on, so later that same year, we're going to get the Eternals, November 2020. So so they're doing their, their favorite months now. They're resuming, they're ushering us in because in years past, commonly these films have dropped in May and November, mm-hmm. and then a few odd months too. But we got Richard Madden cast, Selma Hayek, and Angelina Jolie, just named a few. They got Angelina Jolie. It did. And I didn't think it was going to happen. Yeah, it's been rumored. And, and of course, a few weeks ago, Salma Hayek's name came out. Uh, the person who was rumored to be in this film, uh, Keanu Reeves, apparently, so far, has, has not been cast that we know of. But uh, The Eternals, you know, so this is one of those films that, and this is where the the MCU has has really done well in that it has taken taken obscure characters from the comic books and and, and basically building on them and, and making a you know making a basically a, a, a franchise uh, off of that and mm-hmm. and so uh, this this could obviously it's got a solid cast and as we talked about a few weeks ago. Uh, just looking at some of the casting decisions, uh, that have been made and cast, cast that, uh, people who are now interested in these films. I mean, you're getting A-list solid actors like Angelina Jolie. I mean, holy Angelina F and Jolie. So. <laughs> the, the queen, like we were talking about Beyonce as a queen. Angel- yeah. Angelina Jolie is a, princess if not the queen now of hollywood like yeah. she she is just that person and however in thinking about it thinking about what this movie could be she she's great casting yeah. like yeah. what she her essence like mm-hmm. just evokes that kind of like otherworldly being yeah, yeah. i mean i was watching <laughs> my Maleficent uh two trailer last night with the lion king and yeah i mean she's totally fits this this the Eternals and the story of like these beings who basically are just where, at least in the comic book context, you know, Icarus, you know, Thina is basically the daughter of Zeus or Zeus in the comic. And so, yeah, so it, she can carry that. Mm-hmm. But my, yeah, so my concern with this film is, uh, could it end up being the, film version of the Inhumans. Or see, my concern is is that this this could either be our new Guardians franchise because it does have that family element, mm-hmm. that group of people who are like it's not a one person movie. Mm-hmm. It's a mm-hmm. multiple cast movie. It's it has it's not just about one person, it's about a few different people. Or could it be Thor Dark, the Dark World? Because a lot of similar themes we got going on here. A yep. lot of 
gods versus God. Yeah, it's just it's like, uh, it could yeah. be one or the other. It could. And it and it could be in humans. I mean, a lot of people I've seen people point out like, hey, when Feige released this late in 2014, Inhumans was there, and then that became a TV show. And so, I I understand the concern, and it could. However, you really think Angelina Jolie is going to read that script and think? And, and sign on, like she confirmed it. She has read the script or she wouldn't be doing the movie. So yeah. she knows what it could be. Yeah. Yeah. Now, special effects. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. you know, they just made seriously over $3 billion this year between Captain Marvel and the Avengers Endgame. Mm-hmm. So they really shouldn't be slouch, like holding back on spending too much money on special effects. <laughs> they have yeah. It. <laughs> yeah well i think it's that and i'll think just you know having believable special effects because these essentially these are gods that we're dealing with here and so they really have to bring their a game when it comes to that as you said yeah and i mean feige wasn't behind what ended up happening to the inhumans that was pearl mutter yeah exactly so. exactly yeah Okay, so then we get our first TV confirmation, the Falcon and Winter Soldier, because you know what? This is really just we we love these two mm-hmm. like they they just Anthony Mackie and Sebastian Stan are just the bromance that has is I don't know at what like what it does to the MCU. Like, I don't know if it's just a small cube, if it's a medium sized cube and building the foundation that is the MCU, but it's definitely holding some part of it up. Yeah, it, it definitely is. And you're right that their chemistry is just, it just ex- explodes on the screen when they're together in scenes. And, uh, I am definitely looking forward to, to this when it, uh, will be on the, I guess, new Disney Plus platform. This is one of those things that, oh, oh yeah, I'll, I guess I'll fork out some money for that. And, uh, and, and also I think just seeing this story, I mean, there's not been too many details that's been released, but I, I think it is, does take place after Endgame. So, uh, and so the name could be Falcon and Winter Soldier. It's just something people are familiar with, but really it's just going to be the, the new Captain America and, and, and White Wolf show. Yeah. And if, if only they can just borrow Tom Holland for maybe a five minute scene, mm-hmm. because the, you, you think <laughs> that Anthony Mackie and Sebastian Stan are great together just by themselves. And then you add in Tom Holland and oh yeah. my God. I'm it's thinking, just, <laughs> yeah. I'm thinking about Civil War right now as you talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> It's the mother load, okay? Yeah. <laughs> That's the one F series I want to see. <laughs> oh man! All right, and then we we go into 2021, mm-hmm. and this was the first announcement that I'm sure everybody was like, did not see that coming, did not see that coming. They confirmed, and February 2021 we will get Shang Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, and it will feature, in fact, the real Mandarin. But more importantly, it will feature Aquafina. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is. I, this. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. 
I was just going to say that I, this morning, I randomly watched the actual announcement footage for this movie and hearing, having the actor and forgive me, I don't know his name off the top of my head, um, come out on the stage and speak in Chinese immediately. That was very impressive. And I was like, dude, you know, you got that star power. This is going to, this is going to be good. Yeah, and yeah. and it just and then he switched into talking about how he was just cast on Tuesday. He like this is a whirlwind for him. And I was I was like, this is great. This is I mean, this proves that sometimes you don't always need that a lister to come out on stage and really speak to the crowds because it's just as refreshing to realize that. You know, any day one of us can get a call from Marvel. Yeah, yeah. It's it, I knew as you were. Yeah, one of our one of our uh, followers in uh, Canada tweeted to us uh, at Lillian Sue. She uh, mentioned how uh, he's very well known in Canada as far as a Canadian Broadcasting Corporation call, show called uh, Kim's uh, Convenience. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so I know that's a big, big draw there. Also, he kind of joked. He, he, uh, I saw this. Tweet. He was joking how and uh, he has sent tweets to, to Marvel Studios in the past saying, "Hey, hey, look at me! Hey, I, I, you know, cast time for you guys to cast me in, in your next film." And, uh, and I think his last one was maybe back in December. And uh, and then here we are, you know, in July, and he actually gets cast for for uh, Shang Chi. And the other thing too, and, and I think this how Black Panther was a very culturally significant film for the MCU and it just transcended comic books. I mean, when you think about all the people that, you know, normally don't really go to these films, Black Panther brought those people into the fold. And uh, as far as audiences that normally don't get into comic book movies. And I, I think this one might have that same potential. Yeah, and you know, I'm sure Kevin Feige is already writing his thank you letter to crazy crazy rich Asians, um, which kind of launched this like, hey guys, there's another part of America or um, part of our culture that we need to recognize and bring to the fold. And hey, they buy movie tickets too. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Exactly. <laughs> and it's rich. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I like I had the same thing. I I was thinking about how I'm really looking forward to this trailer because we've already talked about Mulan's trailer, but I love that trailer, too. I did too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we're ready for this and yep. it, it's just following suit. makes a lot of sense. Really fixing. And it's also a movie that is fixing a lot of wrongs because of whatever, what has happened with the Mandarin. And then yeah. you realize that all those Easter eggs that some of us were thinking about, um, are actually real Easter eggs and are going to come to fruition now the right way. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, this is what Kevin Feige does. He, yeah. he's a maestro and he's just waiting to pull the right strings at the right time. Exactly. Then again, like this is really interesting how they go from movie, TV, movie, TV, um, because that same spring, we're also going to get another miniseries with WandaVision mm-hmm. and it's going to take place right after Endgame. Thank God. Yes. 
I heard the rumors about it being in the 60s or something, and it's kind of like WTF. Yeah, yeah, I remember hearing those as well, and I'm just like, okay, how's this going to work? Because, I mean, really, didn't Captain Marvel kind of, like, set the prequel (laughs) for the... Yeah, so I am glad that it's after Endgame. I'm interested, obviously, to see how they uh, recon- how they bring back Vision because Vision was not a, vi- a, a victim of the snap or the or the the blip. The blip, the blip. And so it'll yeah. So how does you know, given that Vision was created from one of the Infinity Stones and also um, Tony Stark's uh, uh, computer program. Uh, Jarvis, how does how does that uh, how does he come back? So I guess will we have some funky timeline stuff going on here that uh, you know we not, we do now know that the multiverse has been established. So it hasn't yet, but we'll get to that. You know, two words for you, Steve Rogers. Mm. Steve Rogers got his happy ending. Yes. So, you so think, uh, did, he, did he do anything? Because it's also interesting that you bring it up that this announcement and the show will occur before the What If series, before the Loki series, before a few others that we're going to talk about. Right, right. So, it, I don't know, but, yeah, you know, but, Steve. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, the multiverse was teasing in game, brought up again, and, um, uh, Spider-Man Far From Home, but I think your theory about Steve having some involvement makes sense because uh, obviously he was there when, when Vision was killed by Thanos and you know saw the impact that, that he knows the special relationship that Wanda and Vision did have. Yeah. And I, the, the takeaway I, or what I took away from this announcement too was we're going to get Monica Rambeau back a grown-up version of her tie into Captain Marvel. We all knew that was coming, and we were figuring, like, hey, she's probably going to be older if you fast-forward to where we are now in the MCU. So I I like it. Again, I like these little, like, there's Easter eggs within, or there's announcements within announcements, things that I didn't think about, Um, but it's going to work, and... Right after that, they will then drop the Loki series, which will be the alternate timeline miniseries that we all guessed when yep. we saw Endgame. As soon as we saw it, we were like, oh, now the Loki series makes a lot more sense. Yep, <laughs> yep it does. It does. <laughs> and and I'm just going to skip over that one because that isn't important. The important one comes after, which I, I admit, never seen the first Doctor Strange movie in a the theater. I'm going to go see this one, though, because they announced May 2021 mm-hmm. Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Yes. Will, like, did your brain explode? Did it you did. go mad? It went mad. It went completely mad. I'm still, like, recovering from from seeing that title because I, I think I I think I was one of, whenever I, I got back from the movie last night, I was like, Oh, I think that was the first tweet I saw from <laughs> from from you, and I was just like, "Holy shit!" <laughs> well, so, so what does this mean? Like, what what does that mean is going to happen? I think so. We we've been teased with this multiverse first in in game. Quentin Beck talks about it, and Far From Home, but of course. 
people probably may have dismissed it because of all the uh, illusions and everything that Mysterio created. Mm-hmm. And so, but I think this this will indeed uh, confirm that. And, and again, as you as you rightly pointed out, with how this universe works, every everything, every little throwaway line in these movies and soon to be TV shows has meaning. Mm-hmm. And so, when we when we saw Loki walk away with the Tesseract briefcase and in the game, that. That definitely will obviously have some impacts moving forward in this in this new world that uh, we have in, in in the in the next century or not next decade as far as in the MCU. And so there's that. There's the things that happen in Endgame. Other things that happen in Endgame as far as Thanos, you know, manipulating yeah. the timeline uh, with uh, Nova. You know, mm-hmm. with her piece, clearly uh, these other series that we're, you know, as you rightly pointed out, uh, the ones that happen after Endgame will uh, further show us the the multiverse. I mean, the Eternals, I'm sure, has some role in that too. So, uh, uh, yeah, uh, you know, I think this this is the film that will finally com- confirm all all these things that have been teased up to this point. Yeah. I, I just really love that on top of that, they also announced that Scarlet will, which will be in this movie and good for Elizabeth Olsen. I mean, who could have seen it coming with how well age of Ultron went? Um, I'm sure she wasn't everybody's favorite character coming out of that movie, but she has certainly made her presence wanted, especially in Infinity War. I mean, mm-hmm. she was one of the best characters in that movie for me, yeah. at least. Me, me too. And and I just I think this it's <laughs> it's interesting how many M's are in the title of yeah. this movie. Because my mind immediately was like, well, hmm, House of M, if you will. Hmm. <laughs> Interesting. Maybe this is how we end up getting the mutants. I don't know. <laughs> so I, I just, I, I like this pairing. I'm very interested in this movie. They are, they did also make it clear that it's going to be a horror movie. Yeah. Okay. Everybody, let's lower back down these expectations because I'm pretty sure that a lot of people were saying the first Doctor Strange was going to be a horror movie. So I don't know what the MCU's definition of horror is anymore. Okay? So yeah. just I would I would take it with a grain of salt because I mean we are going to end up or I'm not going to, but I'm sure a lot of people are gonna go see it chapter two, which is a horror movie. And so you shouldn't go into after seeing that movie, you shouldn't go into this movie thinking like, oh, it's that's not, not a. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then that same year in the summer, they are going to drop a what if animated series with Jeffrey Wright, who's going to play the watcher. They've already confirmed a lot of actors. Mm-hmm. I, I think I saw Michael B. Jordan's photo on that wall. I think. Yeah. 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 yeah, I'm still. Yeah, I think I, I think you're right. And there's other other people who have committed their voice talent to this as well. And 
and this is this is great. Uh, the, the what if is something that uh, harkens back to the comics where you you had uh, you know, what if Spider Man was a member of the Fantastic Four, or what if you know fill in the blank. So I'm, I'm really excited for this series too because it definitely gets us uh, not only um, you know again builds on the the whole concept of the multiverse and 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 in this in this regard we get it in the in the what if series. Mm-hmm. Then later that fall we're going to get another mini series with Hawkeye and this will be um, set his five years spent as Ronan. So we're going to see that circle. So it's kind of going to mirror the Black Widow movie where there's going to be this. We know there's a missing piece of time that's going to get explored with this one character. And more importantly, Kate Bishop will appear and be a co-lead or a leading character, significant character in the series, which awesome. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah, I know that. Uh, whenever we saw the teasers for Endgame, people thought that Kate Bishop was going to appear there, but it turned out that was just Clint's daughter. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> but this is this is one of those shows that it is if it follows the comic, uh, Kate Bishop basically becomes Hawkeye, and so it, so yeah, it will chronicle his years as Ronan, but also will be that uh, mentor mentee relationship too. So this this has a lot of potential. Yeah. And then they drop the hammer, literally, um, and confirm Thor Love and Thunder is coming November 5th, 2021. That is not a made-up title, even though I'm pretty sure a lot of us initially thought it was going to be a made-up title, and then they were going to announce something else. Nope, that is going to be the title of the movie. Yep. And Natalie Portman will return not only as Jane Foster, but also as Thor, the yep. goddess of thunder. Mm-hmm. See, this this one is where I'm kind of on the fence. Okay. I, I love Ragnarok. I, yep. I love the team. They brought off the team that I brought out the team I love coming back for this movie. Chris Hemsworth, I don't know when he'll stop playing Thor. But hopefully it's not anytime soon because he has the character down now. I don't know if I ever really wanted to see Jane Foster come back, though. And even if she is going to be a superhero, I don't really know if that's what I wanted or needed. Yeah, yeah. I I think folks, whenever they thought of Thor 4, I think many folks thought that uh, Tessa Thompson's character, Valkyrie, would be a likely candidate to will the hammer but uh this this follows the comics i mean jane foster did uh did become thor in in, in the in the comic book so uh so it, we we do it, we are pulling from directly from source material and i guess i could i see your point as far as jane wary of her being thor i don't know if it's Natalie Portman's portrayal of the character or just how it's been, the character's been developed in, in these films. But uh, I, I can definitely see where, you, where you're coming from. Yeah, it just, it was odd because a lot of people looking back 
why some of those first two movies arguably didn't work was because Thor and Jane didn't have any chemistry mm-hmm. or Jane was not used appropriately as a character. She she fell into the bad version of Lois Lane that nobody likes, not the good version of Lois Lane that we all love. So it just it was interesting that for some reason I I get why they do it are doing it because I have heard from comic book readers that that is a very important thing that ends up occurring. And I guess really where my disappointment also stems from is I just really want to see Guardians team up with Thor and that be a movie. Yeah. <laughs> I think whenever we saw that uh, Thor 4 and, and, uh, we, we, and uh, Tia was like, he was confirmed to come back and be a part of part of it. Everybody thought, you know, that that was a possibility. And of course, also when James Gunn, James Gunn, yeah. When James Gunn was brought back, uh, we would see Thor, you know, with, with the Guardians and stuff. So, uh, and this, so I, I get where you're coming from. Um, and maybe we'll still, we'll see Thor in, in Guardians Volume 3. Uh, and this, this is just a sort of bridge, bridge film for us to, to, before we get to that point. Yeah, actually, like, I feel like in a, in a way, this, Theory, these announcements are, it's kind of like a bridge announcement mm-hmm. to give people, re-excite people and remind them that yes, Infinity War has, that saga has come to a close. Yeah. But we're still going to be making movies. There's still a lot more to tell or to come and we have a lot more stories to tell. So in a way, I walked away from it feeling like it was incomplete. And so when I returned and I saw that Kevin Feige did explain that, no, we we do have more movies that we're going to be making within the next few years, but he, he can't necessarily confirm right now when we're going to get Black Panther 2, when we're going to get Captain Marvel 2 or Guardians of the Galaxy 3, but we're going to get them along with Fantastic Four along with some mutants. So like I, I felt like this isn't it. This isn't all of phase four. I really don't think so. I think there's going to be some announcements about 2022 Mm -hmm. and then that's going to be in because I don't, I don't think that this is the, what the Thor love and thunder is going to be the end of a, of a group of films. That doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't make sense at all. It doesn't make, I mean, it does seem to be, uh, an offshoot of a, a building block towards a much larger thing. And maybe, maybe at the end of the day, you know, the next big team up kind of film will be the, uh, the secret wars or, um, for, um, you know, which was a, which was a big title back in the eighties for the, the Marvel comic universe. And so, uh, or, or, or any other major saga that, that, uh, you know, that, that they will, that they will, you know, this, this phase four and potentially phase five will be. Yeah. I mean, the good news is Feige is definitely not running out of toys to take off the shelf to, to change and add into this re, or insert into this universe and, tell a story connected to a few others and create an event. Yeah. 
And the man is not without his tricks because, <laughs> good Lord, I'm sure yeah. I'm not the only one who literally walked away and was like, it's done. It's over. That's the annou- last announcement, only to come back and find out that they brought out Mahershala Ali, who nobody has been rumoring to be casted in the MCU. Yeah. And definitely nobody was saying like, hey, they can now make a Blade movie, so you should cast the two-time Academy Award winner yep. who just slayed a true detective season. No, but, you know, that's what Feige did. That's exactly what he did, and I love it. It's Yeah, I mean, that was like, you know, you're so right. I mean, everybody was just like, first off, we thought we were going to get TV. Then we heard we are going to get 10 titles, and that's going to be it. And then it just he just, boom, drops the mic on Saturday night. And I think nerddom everywhere. It was just everybody. Yeah. And everyone was happy. <laughs> I mean, really. Now, okay. The one thing I take offense to is I'm hearing a lot of people say perfect casting, best casting ever, never been a great, greater casting. And I'm, and I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay. What? It's a good, it's a good cast, but still, I mean, what about Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man? Yes. What about Heath Ledger as the Joker? We have had very significant casting before, so and, and also th- don't don't disrespect Wesley Snipes. Right. I mean, those movies scared I mean, the shit out of me when yeah, I was a kid. Don't dismiss. Don't disrespect Wesley Snipes that way because honestly, Blade the very, especially the first Blade really was a foundational block like Superman the movie and others that were that allow for us to get to this point where we have the MCU. So, so people who are doing that, they're just disrespect. It's like, don't disrespect your elders <laughs> I mean, because you're, you're doing that. Uh, and if you really, people, I, I, when I saw that they're going to be remaking blade and the MCU, I was excited, but also, I was just like, well, I gotta go watch the original because that I, that was really, like you said, it was a super awesome kick-ass film. And and this is not going to be the same because right. I had no idea that that was based off of a comic book because I'm a 90s kid. I'm not going into that movie being like, oh, this is a Marvel movie. I'm going in and being like, this is a vampire movie that is very scary and very gross and disgusting in some pieces. Okay. <laughs> so, so that's a horror movie. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that one is indeed one. <laughs> Which I mean, this Doctor is Strange. interesting yeah, because that one. <laughs> we we add this other element, this more like great shout out Doctor Strange X element of supernatural creatures into this universe. So. I'm curious as how they're going to make that work because you don't want to you get to a point and I'm sure we've always talked about this before where everybody's special. Yeah. And and how is that? How is that? Like, well, this person has a gene. Well, this person was bit by something. This person was bit by something else. And it's like, whoa, whoa, are there any normal people in your world anymore? Right. So right. and that's why you need the the people like Natasha in the fold because it reminds you that there are still just the regular people 
and that the Avengers or the character you're focusing on is truly unique, does have a true original story. So it'll be really interesting to see how they work in Blade into this universe. Definitely, definitely. Looking forward to it, though. Okay, so despite that long explanation, which it probably took us a half hour to go over an hour-long announcement, there was some other news that dropped during San Diego Comic-Con. The boys got renewed for season two without even having dropped a single episode. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's uh, Amazon is very judicious when it comes to that i mean i think they did it with marvelous mrs Maisel and they did it with jack bryant but other than that they're not very they don't hand these out unless they really really feel like they have a hit and and i think they do i i get the vibes from the critics that this show is going to really work it is going to be a very interesting debate as to which show works more, The Boys or Watchmen on HBO, because mm-hmm. they have very similar themes, different different networks, and I don't know. I mean, I'll admit, a little more curious about The Boys right now than I am about Watchmen, because despite the trailers for Watchmen, which are really good trailers... The the movie did not work for me, and the movie had a really good trailer. It did. <laughs> so I, I'm I'm remaining skeptical. While the boys, it's not just that it's a good trailer. It looks fun. It looks it different. Yep. It looks like counter programming to all of the other stuff that we're getting so in inundated with. Yeah, that's and that's like for example, that's why we love Doom Patrol so much. Was because mm-hmm. it it went against the grain and the mold of what we what we've gotten used to. Yep, yep, and which also got renewed for a second season. Yep, still holding out for Cloak and Dagger. Freeform. Maybe, yeah, not freeform, let us down. Please, maybe we'll maybe we'll get a word at D twenty three next month. Maybe, maybe. Okay, Will, and now for the trailer you've been probably dying to talk about. <laughs> we also got the full. Picard trailer. Now, before you go into all of your fanboy about it, because I know you've been saving it and just waiting to unleash on this trailer. I watched it. Mm -hmm. I might actually watch it. (laughs) (laughs) But I could not help but notice how similar this story might be to the movie Logan. Mm. I mean, you're taking a character who we've seen thousands um like so many times we we know who he is he he's been on a lot of different properties and then he suddenly is old retired and he encounters a girl mm-hmm. who he thinks he knows who she is but he could be mistaken and if he's right she's in real danger hmm. yep. Interesting. And then he tries to be the bodyguard on a mission to take her to safety. Or I don't really know about that part. Yeah, yeah. It it sounds really familiar. Yeah, you you know, and it it worked for Logan, and I think it's going to work in the Trek realm. I love this trailer. I, I, when I first heard, well, a couple things. So, I, 
went into the San Diego Comic Con. People were like, no, no one from the Next Generation cast is also going to be in this new show. We're talking a fresh start. Is this going to be Picard? Is going to be after the events and uh, they, uh, of J.J. Um, Abrams? Star Trek, where it created the, which caused the divergence in the, the timelines in the, in the original series and the new films. And so I was like, okay. And then I saw the trailer and I saw Jerry Ryan at 709. And at the end, saw Brent Spiner back. And then, of course, got news with, about Will, Will, Jonathan Frakes returning as Will Riker and Deanna Troy, Miranda Sirtis' character. And yeah, uh, yeah, I was just in total nerdgasm. <laughs> and, and loved and, and loved every minute of it, but the trailer itself, it it reminded it, it. I thought it did a good job of setting up this new universe, and that we are taking an established character, like you said, who's been on thousands of hours of TV and film, and bringing it fast forward to this this new journey, and and I and, and so visually it. It, it it got the trekker in me like all excited because Picard definitely is one of my favorite characters in in, in science fiction. The story, as you eloquently put about how it gives you the Logan vibes, does for for me as a Trek fan. I started thinking back when I saw that the Borg were being in, involved, girl, and then one other character um, who was named Hugh, who was. Uh, I'm getting all fanboyish here, but he was the first Borg that we saw in Next Generation that actually, where his human side, where they were able to get him out of the collective. And so I'm thinking, my thought is that this girl is somehow connected to him, and and that's because, of course, everybody also knows about Seven and Nine from Voyager, who was, was the character that was, who her human side was able to escape the collective. I'm thinking this this girl is is somehow connected to Hugh, and that's why Picard recognizes her and recognizes the danger that she's in because the Borg is going to try to get them back for taking Hugh out, you know, 30 years ago whenever it first happened on the show. Yep, yep. I mean, I I think a lot of us are already thinking that that's what it is. <laughs> That's just my theory. But one other one other trailer that did happen with Star Trek this weekend, also that uh, was also equally exciting for me, was seeing the short treks. Mm. Those are part of the uh, lead. They they did this last season with Star Trek Discovery, where they're little mini episodes that lead up to the actual season. And so there are uh, six of them this upcoming. Uh, uh, lead up to Star Trek Discovery season three, which took the series in a completely new direct new place and uh, took the crew and, and I won't spoil what happened for folks who haven't watched it yet, but just definitely check it out. But uh, we, we get to see uh, Spock again in one of the short treks. And it's actually when he first is assigned to the enterprise with captain Pike and uh, number one and, and so I think three of the short treks are dealing with the uh, centered around Spock and uh, number one, who's played by Rebecca Romaine. And then the other three, I believe are set with the top, with what happened with the discovery uh, from the events at the end of season two of that show. So I was also very excited about that uh, for, for the Trek franchise uh, because the Star Trek discovery is as I've, uh, it, uh, it, 
truly is one of the was one of the highlight shows in, in 2019, other than what we talked about here as far as Doom Patrol and uh, Krypton. So the MCU fanboy in you was satisfied. The Star Trek fanboy in you satisfied. Will all of your dreams come true? So now I'm going to take the last five minutes of our podcast today to do a short review of Krypton season two, episode six in Zod we trust because I, before getting on to the Twitter feed for Comic-Con, I watched this episode. So I was just, I was on a Krypton high and just wanting to know about news about Krypton. Didn't see any news about Krypton. So I wasn't satisfied, but hey, we can't have everything unless you're Will, apparently. <laughs> I get it all, yeah. Good episode. Great episode. Um, very interesting how they bring up, they have a moral discussion at the very beginning. What did you see? Was it an execution? Was Jax being too, too aggressive? Was she doing the right thing, the wrong thing? Is Zod untrustworthy? Or is he just a villain who ended up having the one thing he cares most about taken away. So does that evoke sympathy? So a very interesting choice for me that the writers made, because I didn't expect them to have that debate right after it also confirmed. No, Lyda is in fact dead. Yeah. This show though, does still have time travel elements. <laughs> no, nah, Lyda's dead. Uh, I, she's 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 gone. I don't. I I would be surprised if they they revive her. If then show, how does Zod ever get born? <laughs> <laughs> they will resolve that. I'm telling you, it's in game time game. It, it's in game time travel rules. I I I don't know how they re, re, reconcile that point. Honestly, at this point, I really don't care. Right. It, like, in this timeline, she is dead. Yeah. yeah. Right. Uh, right, right. In this timeline, she is. I, I think there will be some kind of, like, back in the way that because he's from a different timeline and was born in that timeline, this is how he basically still survives. But to your earlier question about Jax and her choice, I mean, it was a straight-up execution, and it, I, yeah, I love the way that the this, this show started whenever the, the reactions, because you just had a mute screen and you, you saw Segs just, just collapse in as a, a heap of just shock and like disbelief of what mm-hmm. he had just, what he had just watched. And nice little, you know, and Cameron Cuff, the, who plays Seg, did a nice little, uh, tribute to, uh, Superman's, uh, anguish when he, uh, found Supergirl, uh, who dies in, uh, in Crisis, uh, an Infinite Earth, another thing that's been like popping a lot this weekend, which we'll cover in, in future episode, but that was a nice little hat tip, and he does that a lot, uh, in, in each, it seems like every, uh, a few episodes where he ties something back to Superman, but, um, yeah, that, just, that, the anguish that he felt, uh, Jaina, her, you know, have, trying to come to grips with, you know, you know, such a duty bound creature in, her, in herself and how seeing her daughter just, you know, viciously just executed there. And, and because, you know, her whole purpose in, in, in going on this expedition was trying to, to save Lyta and of course she fails. And then Dev and his, his 
obviously anguish of like once again I, I've I've let life it down. Well, I mean to counter the opening of the show where everybody's discussing Jax's decision between J- Jaina, Dev, and Seg, you also have a discussion that occurs where who who let her down, when, and why? Mm-hmm. Because all three of them you can blame and and see that's that what's it's usually what happens when somebody is murdered or somebody is killed like that it's like suddenly becomes a question of like whose fault is it mm-hmm. but there was a choice and no it's not like they held the blade or anything but did they already lose her because again we have the whole debate occur did she get reprogrammed or is that really who Lyda is right. what actually happened between her and and Drew, when when Seg left, because there is an argument to be made, like we even see it in this episode where it was a nice parallel, how in this episode you see Seg break down emotionally. And by the end of it, he's aligned himself with Brainiac because right. he knows the only way to defeat Drew Zod is to have a villain on his side who's equally if not more power, powerful than Zod. Mm-hmm. So so he kind of had to shut himself off emotionally much like she might have made that decision because she couldn't leave live with the grief of Sag's death. Yeah, yeah, I mean that's very good parallels and and and, and I like the way Brainiac always when he does reappear to Sag. <laughs> so cool. It's always so cool, and it's always, you know, and, you, and, and when you were talking about the choices that they're making, Brainiac, again, the logical, ruthless, cold, computing individual that he is, points out the, the emotional, you know, all, you know, he's like all this anguish over one person. Mm-hmm. But it's the, it's the conscience. Yeah. Like, he has a, the way they are using him, allows the the viewers to really make you think like is Brainiac really saying self-conscious because he does appear and does to tend to sound like you have two people you're hearing two voices or there's an angel and devil on your shoulders and mm-hmm. Brainiac's clearly the devil where he's analyzing through a very biased perspective mm-hmm. like very analytically and he he knows that he needs to say certain things in order to get what he wants because Seg is just a tool for him, much like how Brainiac is, which again, another parallel, this episode, it re, it resumes that discussion about who, who's benefiting more here in this scenario. Clearly both of them need each other to get through this, but which was already held when they were back on, um, um, Kalu. Kalu. Yeah. Yeah. So I just, I love what they're doing with Brainiac. Yeah. yeah. He, it's just so fascinating. It is. It is. And, and also Seg make, coming into the realization that in order to defeat Saad, he's going to, like you said earlier, have to, yeah, you know, he can't do he, he he's realizing he can't do this without Brainiac. Which and, oh. Yeah, go ahead. I I was just gonna jump in and say without evil on his side. Mm-hmm. Which is another classic theme in this genre where there's always that 
quandary like to kill or not to kill like if you if you're a hero do you actually kill people or do you just put the bad guys away like what what are you going after more um and there's other other dynamics where well if you align yourself with that person then that's who you are and so are you are you really the same hero that you have always claimed to be or are you just as bad as that other person right 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 which you know again and and we see that dilemma come through with uh with the Cylon mm-hmm this week oh that's stupid <laughs> like it's, it's like he's not even on the same planet and it's everybody else or is that just me it's like they they shoot his footage and then they splice it in there and i'm just like are you are you are, are you still in the phantom zone like what's going on here I mean, he the, it was really despite my qualms about the cylon I do appreciate that the writers do end up making that decision to send Jax away. Yeah. Like they don't kill her because that's not what they stand for. They don't give her over to Drew Zod because that's a death sentence. They let her go because although she probably did retrospectively do what was best for the resistance, it didn't morally align itself with what they stood for. Exactly. And and I think, and, and, even though it frustrates us about Val, at least it does seem like he's disconnected from everything else. I found like this, it seems like this week he finally has found his, his moral, his voice and that he did. He, he, it was a line that he was willing to go and, and he, and, and he realized that he had to do something very drastic in order to, Changed the dynamic that's been going on here. And when, when Jax gave him the detonator to the space elevator and he ultimately do ultimately using it and in order to basically give the rebellion a, a new life and a new hope to be able to defeat Sod, I think, I think Val realized that, you know, impassioned speeches and and those kind of things can only take us so far. I've got to get my hands dirty in order to save Candor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he makes that decision. Sag aligns himself with Brainiac, which before I forget, in season one, I w- did have a few moments of shipping Nissa and Sag. And what happens at the end of this episode? He tells her on only her the truth about Brainiac and then asks for her help. She is going to help him because that's just Nissa. So it's very, very interesting scene for at least me and watching that. Um, but you have that moment and then you also have, have Drew Zod doing some doomsday hunting mm-hmm. because again, it goes back to your point. Well, this episode is all about these few, these central characters realizing that the way they originally wanted to win the game, they can't continue or else they'll lose. Yeah. So, so you, you have to go more offense than defense. Mm-hmm. So it's just, it was a very pivotal episode. It was. I didn't expect it to have so many big moments in it, especially right after the last episode. But you know, that's what these writers understand. They understand momentum. They understand pace. Mm-hmm. 
So full speed ahead. All right. That is it for us tonight. Will, why don't you tell our listeners where they can find you? Yes, you can find me at Will M. Polk. That's W-I-L-L-M-P-O-L-K. And you can follow me on Twitter at Cena Nerd. <laughs> you can follow me on Twitter you at I was there this weekend um, at SJ Belmont, S-J-B-E-L-M-O-N-T. Please follow our crew on Twitter at Cena Nerd. Friend us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram. But most importantly, rate, subscribe, and comment on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, and Spotify. Good night, geek out. You're welcome. about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.